name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are here. Since we are gathered to hear God's word, and to call upon him in prayer and praise. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, in word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord God, Heavenly Father, send forth your Son to lead home his bride, the Church, that with all the company of the redeemed we may finally enter his eternal wedding feast. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the 26th Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the fifth chapter of the prophet Amos, verses 18 through 24. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into the house and he leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. But take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. lesson the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare unto you by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, And Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all those virgins rose and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the gospel of our Lord. Together we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is that parable from the Gospel reading about those ten maidens and, and their lamps for oil. We pay particular attention to these words of our Lord when he said, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is our text, dear friends, in our Lord Jesus. On Tuesday, this Tuesday, the 11th of November, the people of our country again officially mark Veterans Day. With Thanksgiving, we recall the, the service rendered and by veterans all, indeed many of you, veterans who served in the various branches of the military or the armed forces for the enduring protections of the freedoms and the people of the United States of America. With this morning's parable in mind, I would say that if there's a people who know a bit about being prepared, I think we can safely say certainly veterans do. A veteran recently described to me how preparedness and readiness are paramount and, and they're integral in the every day of a serviceman, especially in camp. Daily, from before dawn, soldiers in camp are engaged in preparation, exercises of preparation, preparation of the mind. Is their condition mentally, in discipline, and, and in team building exercises? Preparation of body is constantly physical training, kept them or keeps them in maximal physical condition and physically and readily fit to be called into action at a moment's notice, tactically and operationally ready as constantly, with, be they battalions or brigades or companies engaged in firearms training, weapons training and cleaning and war simulation exercises just in case the call does come. They've got to be prepared. And almost like an icon, you could say, or a, a metaphoric symbol is their duffel bag. The duffel bag that must be packed and must be readied at all times in case it's time to go. Our veterans, they know a thing or two about being people prepared. Bags packed and people prepared, I think that sounds too a bit like those first Passover people of old. Recall them? And remember why the Lord told them to eat this first Passover feast, as Scripture tells us, with a traveling belt on your waist. He said, and your sandals on your feet and your, your traveling staff in your hand. Why? Because deliverance was at hand. Deliverance was at hand and they had to be ready to go. A people prepared. Preparation is obviously the point of today's parable. Preparation. The parable of these ten maidens. Some prepared, some not prepared. Christ issues to us this public service announcement regarding preparation and readiness, frankly, for the same reason that our government agencies and disaster prevention agencies issue over television and radio wave their public service announcements regarding, for instance, earthquake and, and fire preparedness. Have your one gallon, one gallon per week per person per day of water all set to go. Have your, your boxed and your canned foods already on hand. Have your flashlight and your radio and your tools supplies, all ready to go. Why? 
Because when the earth begins to quake under the feet of the unprepared, it's too late to start preparing. We Californians know that one. Have your fire escape planned and practiced and ready. Why? Because when it comes upon you in the middle of the night, there's no more time to drill. You've got to be prepared. Christ issues this parabolic, his parabolic public service announcement for the very same reason disaster prevention agencies do. Because we human beings are prone toward complacency. And that's never truer than when it comes to things spiritual. It is a sad fact, indeed. As we consider it a sad fact, but a fact, indeed, that so many in our day, but in fact so many in every day and age, tend to be far more minded toward preparing ourselves, themselves, ourselves, and our families for life in the here and now than for life everlasting in the hereafter. Natural is the tendency to live life neglecting the warning that Christ indeed is coming to judge the world. Even Christians, even Christians will often carry on as if the time's not at hand. Often will carry on perhaps living in a, in a why do today what can be put off until tomorrow sort of mindset. It's a foolish way to live. Now that's Christ's critique of it. Foolish. Because that's the word he used in the parable, isn't it? Foolish. That's the word he used to describe those five maidens who, who neglected to consider well and to ensure that they had oil for their lamps. Now it's hard to say what kept them. It's hard to say what kept them, those five, from tending to that all-important oil for their vessels. Because the text doesn't really tell us there. Christ doesn't tell us. It's hard to, hard to imagine what might have, except that I'd, I'd imagine that they're the very same things, the very same reasons that will so easily and do so easily distract us from giving our foremost and utmost attention to the oil of faith in our lamps. They're the same excuses that are so common that, that Christ gave us in that parable, the, the other parable that he told. Well, I've just bought a pair of new oxen. Remember these excuses given? Just bought a, bought a pair of new oxen. In other words, I've got business to attend to. Or I just got married was the other excuse. And I have family activities that keep me and prevent me from it. Or, or I just bought a new piece of land, a new piece of property. I've got home repairs to make. Certainly there are others. We know them well, don't we? Sometimes these, these tendencies, they make foolish maidens out of very well-meaning Christians distracted by this or, or by that, giving little attention to, to the regular replenishment of, of the lamp oil of faith. We might soon find ourselves, albeit so subtly, that we wouldn't even realize it, we might find ourselves with an oil shortage. And it happens. It happens when, perhaps at the neglect of the weekly replenishment of faith's oil by word and sacrament, one's content simply to, 
to think back on and appeal to that once upon a time baptism, neglecting the, the present and continuing nourishment of that. But, but as one has well put it, isn't that like arguing that, well, I've been born, I don't have to worry about eating? I've been born and I've got life now, I don't, I don't need to be sustained? I suppose complacency too can be perpetuated as, as I might take far too much confidence in the fact that my name happens happens to be on the church rolls somewhere. And yet in practice, I, I don't take advantage of the, the grace that God has, has given regularly to us. The Jews, remember the Jews in our reading from the Reformation Day? They appealed to that, that name association, the outward name association. Remember when Jesus said to them, he said, Remain in my word and you're truly my disciples and you'll, you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And recall how they answered him. They said to him, Jesus, how can you say that we'll be set free? We are children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone, they said. Paul reminds us who the real children of Abraham are. He said, you're Abraham's offspring and heirs according to faith. Not as the Jews, the outward association that they would claim. Again, Paul says, Abraham's the father of all who, who believe. Did you notice in the parable how Jesus warned against that, that complacency that might occur? That complacency of, 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 of confidence in mere outward association in today's parable? Did you notice it? The ten went out. And they went out together, didn't they? Jesus said that five were, were foolish, five were wise, but looking at them, perhaps you couldn't tell who the wise were and the foolish were. And frankly, that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like to all of us who can't see into the heart. It's what we'd call the church visible. Together they went out, but the difference was in what was inside the lamp or the flask, inside the heart, inside where one can't see. Some had oil, others none. And, and though they were all a part of the same visible group going out, those complacent five were, were not people prepared. Certainly one can't necessarily see the oil inside the lamp. But one can see how determined those wise maidens were in obtaining it. One can see that religiously they, they would have gone to the marketplace where that oil was obtained. Many would look at the high premium that those wise maidens put on, put on obtaining that oil and ensuring its plentiful supply. And they'd notice how those maidens would even take their own kids and their children by the hand and tenderly teach them how and teach them where to get that precious oil because they knew that they need that oil too. Many would notice the determined behavior and you know, you know what the many would say? They'd say, loosen up a bit. Loosen up a bit. Don't, don't be so uptight about it. Live a little. Let it go for a while. Don't worry so much about it. Don't be, don't be such a fanatic about it. That oil... That oil's for the weak-minded and the superstitious. 
You know what they say. You yourself know what they say because you yourself hear what the world says. When it tells you in all of its ways that there's far more to life than obtaining oil for your lamp. That's what they say, isn't it? But friends, isn't that about what, what the world said to Noah? When religiously he and his family, faithful family of, of eight, were pounding their nails and bending their boards and shaping their planks and forming the hull and preparing that ark. Isn't that the ridicule that he would have heard too? Nice boat, Noah. Where's the water? I don't see any rain clouds, Noah. You're wasting your time with that thing, Noah. It's a delusional exercise in futility, Noah. That's what they would have said. Friends, mind you, the flood is coming. Don't let the delay deter you. Just because in merciful long-suffering the bridegroom delays. In merciful long-suffering, just because he delays, never stop building the ark. Never cease obtaining that oil for your lamps. For mark it well. By divine inspiration, Peter tells us in no uncertain terms, scoffers will come, he says, in the last days, in these latter days, and walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? And Christ himself says, indeed in words just before our text for today, Christ says, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. In other words, life was going on as life goes on. Life was going on as normal until, Christ says, the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came. Swept them all away. So also will the coming, he says, of the Son of Man be. So friends, don't be deterred. And don't, don't be delayed in receiving faith's oil. Now where then? Where then do you get that oil? Do you receive that oil that your lamps so need? I really have to wonder if this very thought wasn't in the mind of the writers of our Lutheran confessions when in summarizing scripture they wrote this. Where do you get that oil? They wrote this. To obtain such faith. To get the oil, to obtain the oil, to obtain such faith, they wrote, God instituted preaching, the office of it, preaching, the giving of the gospel and the sacraments. And they wrote, through these as through means, he gives the Holy Spirit who produces faith. He does it. Who produces the oil of faith. That's how we are made prepared. That's how the lamps of our hearts have the oil of faith. He does it. That's how and, and through what we're made, as Paul says, fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Preaching and, and baptism and that sacrament of the feast make diligent friends and conscientious 
use of these things, the, the marketplace of divine mercy, where, Isaiah says, one who has no money can come and buy. Why? Because the cost in Christ has been paid in full for you. So you who have no money, come and buy and use and obtain. These things, preaching, word, and sacraments, ridiculed though they may be, though they are, by those who profess to be wise, there, these things, they, they're the things through which the Lord Jesus Christ delivers to you what He wants one for you with His own life and His own blood on Calvary's cross. Namely, the forgiveness of all of your sins. Eternal life. Your salvation. That's your confidence. That builds up the faith. They're priceless things at no cost to you. He puts oil in your lamp. It's by these things that He replenishes the oil of faith within you. And makes you people prepared prepared with hearts burning bright confident not only in what Christ has done for you and for all in his first coming in his death and his resurrection but hearts burning bright with expectant and, and with confident hope in what he's prepared for the faith filled at, at his second and his most and more glorious coming confidence in that. It's said that the Jacobites of Scotland, the Jacobites, partisans to their king, it said that the Jacobites of Scotland never, never met another on the mountain road, never sat down to a table of council or, or conference without lifting a cup to pledge the return of their king. He came. Christians, our King comes too. And soon. Now is the time of God's grace. Now is the day of salvation. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the one and only midnight cry will go out and the bridegroom will come to deliver forever his beloved church. And so she prays, come Lord Jesus, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rise and sing with me our post-sermon hymn.
and glory, to gather his people unto himself and to judge the world, we pray. For your church, O Lord, in these latter days, that she may endure the great tribulation and struggles that beset her during the twilight of the age, and that she may find comfort and peace in Christ's promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against her, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For this congregation and sister congregation scattered throughout our nation, and for the pastors you've called to lead them, that rather than seeking to satisfy the desires of itching ears for what pleases men, they would faithfully lead your people in confessing Christ and him crucified for all the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For your church everywhere, that she would not become complacent in her calling, or be deceived by the false teachings and false Christs appearing in these latter days, but rather that diligently using your life-giving and life-sustaining word and sacrament, she would boldly bear the confession of faith which prepares us all for Christ's coming. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who govern nations in this world, and especially for our president as he concludes his years of service to our country, and for our president-elect, as he prepares to assume duties entrusted to him. Grant unto each wisdom as he preserves, protects, and defends the Constitution of the United States, and grant them good counsel as they make decisions which affect us all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For others elected to be senators and congressmen and governors representing the states of our nation, that they may carry out their responsibilities with that integrity and openness and honesty that seeks to serve rather than seeking to serve self. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those serving in our armed forces throughout the world, that they may accomplish those directives that are consistent with your will and be honored by a grateful nation. Receive also our thanks as Veteran Day approaches for all who have served our nation by defending it from worldly powers that would deprive us of our rights and freedoms, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the holy estate of marriage, ordained by you from the beginning to be a union of a man and a woman, we thank you and pray that this definition of marriage, now an amendment to the Constitution of our state, may be defended by our courts and be sustained throughout our nation. For the most vulnerable victims of all, the millions of unwanted, unborn, that you would intervene to protect these precious souls which are unprotected so often by the laws of the land. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those suffering from natural disasters of every kind, especially those who grieve the loss of their children in the schools that have been demolished in Haiti, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who are sick and injured or suffering in any way, including the homebound members of our congregation, also for Eni Ubo recovering from post-surgical complications, for the friends of Henry and Barbara Newman, one diagnosed with leukemia, the other suffering other ailments, for Marilyn Brewer preparing for surgery this week, for all others of this congregation ill-affected by the physical infirmities which accompany life in this fallen world, that the Savior of our souls and the great physician of our bodies would give them grace to endure their affliction and according to his will bring healing and wholeness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the wisdom of faith that eagerly awaits Christ's return, that we would not be complacent and unprepared, but like the five wise virgins prepared and standing 
with the lamp of your word of grace brightly burning among us, that we may welcome his coming, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For those who grieve, especially the family of our brother in Christ, Robert Harges, as they gather in this place this Thursday to celebrate your grace in the life of their father and grandfather and our friend, that they may be comforted by your promises and resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend them all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, your Son has assured forgiveness of sins and deliverance from eternal death. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit that faith in Christ may increase daily so that we may keep watch with eager expectation for the glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.